The scene is a common one. After watching the annual high school football rivalry or finishing the local 5K turkey trot, the family piles into the minivan on Thanksgiving morning and heads to the home of whichever relative has been assigned to host the big feast that year. Someone, maybe one of the kids in the back seat, starts singing over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. That first line serves as a prompt for the rest of the family to join in. Maybe to get through the song, or maybe it peters out when they get to the point when nobody knows the rest of the words. By the way, we can all manage the first couple of stanzas, but there are 12 in all. No matter, the holiday and the holiday season has begun in earnest. What most people who pass through this annual ritual might not realize is that the sights and sounds of the popular and traditional ballad are very real. Yes, Virginia, there actually is a river. Even the woods and grandmother's house really exist. Although in the original version, the destination is grandfather's house, we can safely assume his spouse was home too. She shows up later in the song. Sure, it's just a simple tune to put us in the holiday mood, but everything in it comes from real-life events. And it's also history. The song, originally penned as a poem titled A Boy's Thanksgiving, was written by Lydia Maria Child an abolitionist well-known in her time and a very serious writer and activist. Maria, as she preferred to be called, was born in Medford, Massachusetts, to David and Susanna Francis. She was the youngest of seven and, like her brothers and sisters, worked for a while in the family bakery. She began writing at a young age, publishing her first novel when she was just 22. Hobbamock, was written in six weeks, chronicling the plight of an indigenous American and the bigotry he encountered. Later that year, she met David Lee Child, a noted but fairly successful newspaperman who edited the Massachusetts Journal and Tribune. They were kindred souls. They both took up the plight of the slaves, becoming very active in the abolitionist movement. Their zeal for the cause shaped their lives for both good and bad. Their travels brought them into contact with such luminaries as William Lloyd Garrison, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and the Grimke sisters. In 1825, the governor of Massachusetts invited Maria to attend a reception for General Lafayette, who was in Boston for the dedication of the Bunker Hill Monument. But their beliefs took a toll on the professional lives of both. Focused on social justice, David lost his job with the newspaper, and Maria's magazine, Juvenile Miscellany, was boycotted by many in protest to her politics. David passed the bar, but spent much of his time on pro bono work involving former slaves. He served a short time in the state legislature and made an unsuccessful bid for the U.S. Senate. In 1844, Maria's work with the movement kept her on the road much of the time, but she missed Massachusetts and often reminisced on her days back home. She took a break from her serious writing and penned a short ditty that would outlive all else that she accomplished. In fact, it seems to have outlived her name as well. 
Her family's home was located in downtown Medford, Massachusetts, right on the edge of the square. Her grandparents lived a little over a mile away on the other side of the Mystic River. Her wistful poem describes the trek as she traveled in her mind over those familiar paths. From her house, she would have gone a few hundred yards into the main square, turning left over the Craddock Bridge. Once over the river, the road turns right and through the woods. In just a few minutes, by sleigh, she would have arrived as her aunts, uncles, cousins, and the family dog came out to greet her. Although the ode is biographical, for some unexplained reason, she made her main character a boy. Her destination stands today on South Street, until recently owned by nearby Tufts University. It served as the president's house. In the last few years, the college sold the structure, and it is now in private hands. Called Grandfather's House, in deference to the original title, its story is commemorated on a plaque on the front lawn. It has been expanded several times and probably looks very little like it did when Child visited there. The lot it sits on is much smaller, and much of the woods that she rode through have been subdivided. But the bridge and the river remain pretty much the same. Although very much a real place, it is far more powerful as a symbol. The song conjures up strong images in all of us. It provides a verbal version of a Courier Knives print. Maria Child did not gain immortality through her many books and magazines. Her name is not recognizably tied to abolition as Garrison or Frederick Douglass or Wendell Phillips. In fact, she's not even well-known as the composer of her famous Thanksgiving lyrics, but her words live on nonetheless. As we gather together with family and friends around the turkey, remember to give a nod to a woman whose words continue to take us back, whether real or imagined, to a better time and place. Thanks for listening. Come back next time for more Tales and Tidbits of New England as we dig out another story from Allen's Archives.